Georgia Tech fans, it is time to get up with the white and gold. He's GT John Watts. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. Welcome into our humble little abode as we will go through all things Georgia Tech for the next uh, half hour or so, maybe not that long. Um, as always, before I before I bring on, uh, well, no, let's go and do it now. How are you, John? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Uh, it's uh, oh, yeah. Thursday now. Oh, I forget what day it is. These days, you think I know? We do the Thursday. <laughs> yeah, according according to the calendar today, it's Thursday for at least four hours. No, at least yeah, four hours and eight minutes. Okay, no, fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty good weekend. Uh, I'll say so. Good. But you know, otherwise, we're pretty good. We won't get into the outside of sports world where things go crazy. But you know, we're good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I gotta agree. It was it was pretty solid weekend. I mean, uh, we all have some fun stuff we were able to get into. We were able to uh, watch this game as well that we'll get into. But as always, before, before I forget, as I so humbly do on almost every show I ever do, if you would like to contact the show, leave a question, comment, suggestion. Uh, we're still accepting treasure maps. We're still accepting. Um, uh, chicken and rice recipes. We're, we're actually accepting the actual chicken and rice if you find a way to get that to us. Uh, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, you can email us at 3endzone at gmail.com. That is th- the number 3, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E, at gmail.com. On Facebook, you can look for Up With The White and Gold, Impact Media, John Watts. You can look for Jeremy York. Either of those should find us. If not, Refer back to the email. If you would like to find, if you're one of those people that just likes to click the link, listen to the show, go to our Twitter account at Team Impact Media. You may have to scroll down to find out which uh, episode you want because we post all of our stuff there. Uh, if you want to follow myself on Triller, TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter at the Impact 99, and John, what is your information? You can find me on. I mean, you can find me on TikTok. I don't have any videos again. That's an at GA Tech John. Um, Twitter, you can find me at Mark Warren. Don't talk about. Don't don't ask me about that one. I'm not gonna <laughs> go. That's a completely different show. Um, and of course, you know, like you said, Facebook. You, know, you can find yep. me. That is, uh, you know, I should have thought about that with this being the bye week. That would have been a good filler for it. But we've already loaded the show with all kinds of fun stuff. We'll have to get into that. Maybe we'll get into that next episode because we'll be leading off with the bye. But it's a good story, folks. It's, it's, to, it's, to the t- it's a good story. It really is. And it's absolutely 1 million percent true because I was there for the entire thing. And so were probably 10,000 other people. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a big pack day that day. Oh, yeah. I, I, they must have knew this was going to happen. That's that's all I can think of. I mean, it's about to happen to somebody. Yeah, yeah. Why not you, right? Why me? But like I said, that's for another day. Yep. Yeah, we'll save that because, like I said, it's a good story. But uh, we we just for some reason didn't think that today would be a good day for it. But Georgia Tech has decided to put together this little thing called a two-game winning streak. They get the uh, they get the win that we're going to talk about in a minute over Duke. Uh, they start off – what I liked and, and just right out of the bat is they started out very aggressive and very confident. Now, granted, the first the first series or so led led to a punt, but when the second one was, was the field goal. But in the first in the first quarter there, they, they come out, they were using time off the clock. Like I said, they were aggressive, and they looked really, really confident. Yeah, definitely. Um I know we're not on camera here, but you can see me over here, you know, popping my fist for the um, two-game win streak, as you said. And, again, nobody wants to see me on camera anyway. I do that for my work. Um, so, yeah, definitely start um, that first quarter, you know, driving and you know, controlling the game. And, you know, coming out of that first quarter, you know, three up in the lead. And kind of how we've been, you know, looking at the years, you know, that slow start, building that confidence, and getting um, that ball rolling. And yeah, definitely good, good start. 
Yeah, and, and like I said, I was impressed that the entire first first quarter was two Georgia Tech possessions and one Duke, and their second one was actually bled into the second quarter. So an entire quarter of football was three-and-a-half drives, which just means both these teams were using a lot of time off the clock. They were uh, getting yardage. They were, they were you know, kind of setting the game up for the, the back-and-forth battle it ended up being. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, definitely back back and forth for a good bit of it, and then you know we'll get further in the game. But you know, as the game went on, and it's that you know, okay, are we going to hold on? Are we going to hold on? And that that, that holding your breath kind of oh my god, this is really going to happen. What are we going to? Let's wait this all together. So um, very steadily, you know, for the first you know first three quarters uh, of play, just kind of steady. Steady points, both sides, um, and then you know, we'll get into this a little bit. But in the fourth quarter, where things went a little crazy. But yeah, oh yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely good, good, good there. Um, with my heart and then my stomach. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was right there with you on it. It, it. it had you on the edge of the seat, and it, it was uh, it was pretty crazy the way it was playing out. Uh, and of course, that that possession that, that Duke was still on in the early parts of the second. Uh, they they had a just fantastic punt, and it was a good drive. I want to give them credit for that. But the punt ended up inside the five, and I'm thinking, oh, great. Here goes all the momentum that Georgia Tech had. But then they lead a drive. You get a couple big passes by Sims, and then Sims finds, Sims finds McCullough for the first touchdown of the game. And all of a sudden, with eight minutes left in the first half, it's 10 to nothing Georgia Tech. I, I was like – Wait, maybe this is the team we've been waiting for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, Brent he said it pretty well. And just, you know, we went from trying not to lose, and now we're learning how to win. So we can. <laughs> it's a valuable lesson these guys can take to the next game. So you know that that difference in thought process to coming in and what Brent brought in, and I think definitely, like you said, it's, just, it's definitely looking like okay, this is the tech team. I mean, the players were there. Now we're just kind of putting it together and doing well with these guys. Oh, yeah. And let's see. Right after that, I mean, Duke does does uh, get the 45-yard field goal. They, they kept a minute. I mean, Duke has always had pretty good kickers anyway, so I, I kind of knew that if they got close enough, they were able to put some points on the board. But um, – then during the Georgia Tech, uh, the, the next drive right after that field goal from Duke, you get the targeting call. This time it was not Charlie, which was very nice to see. Uh, it, it finally stopped that that streak that he was able to stay in this ball game as well. And uh, it was Duke uh, number forty-two, I think it was. But uh, it, it's targeting is what it is. People complain about it, but if you're gonna if you're gonna by the letter of the law, basically. If you're going to lead with the crown of your helmet and you're going to kind of make an unsafe move, uh, it, it's unfortunate, and, and he got to watch the rest of this from the bench. But uh, nothing really happened. There, there was a there was a punt from Georgia Tech, and, and then Duke kind of runs the clock out. We get a 10-3 at halftime. What what are you thinking right there at halftime when it's 10-3? 10-3, I mean, like that, it's for, you know, for some games, a 10 to 3 lead is you know, coming in the second half, and you know, that team that has to 10, they're, they're just going to keep running with it. But, you know, the way our season's gone, and historically, 10 to 3, I mean, it's only a touchdown difference. So, really, I mean, like, awesome. We got, we, we got the lead in taking on in the halftime, but it's not, it wasn't not enough to be comfortable. Like, it's, I mean, it's not comfortable in any game, I wasn't thinking, but. Still, tech fans are like, this is, okay, it's 10 3, okay. We still got a whole other half to go, and they really, anything could happen. And, yeah, and a little so foreshadowing there that it, it was a little more uh, half plus to go, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and then in the third, you know, you get another big pass touchdown from Sims. He was really starting to look comfortable. He found Blackburn this time. It's 17-3 to with uh, about 11 minutes to go in, in the third. You start to get a little more comfortable. At least I was feeling a little better about it. Uh, 
Duke was able to put a long drive together and then they throw the interception by the goal line, I was like, you know what? Here we are at the end of the third, and uh, Tech is driving down the field. They are up 17-3. to They just prevented another score. I'm feeling pretty good about it. What about you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, 17-3, maybe it was 6 at that point. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. No, by the end of the third, it's six, but uh, yeah, definitely that that starting build that lead where defense is making great stops, driving in. It's like okay, definitely. I mean, maybe maybe we can can finish this out, but you know, still in the back of your mind, it's like okay, this is this is tech. It's a team from Atlanta. Sorry, all you Atlanta fans for that sports, but here we go in the fourth quarter <laughs> again. Still, anything can happen. And so they still got a feeling like, okay, we just need to hold on, just keep playing our game, make make the stops and on offense, try to make the decisions, and you know, just just hold on for that fourth quarter. Yep. And, and that goes back to what you were saying where, where Brent Key was saying, to start with, they were trying not to lose games, and then now they're starting to learn how to win them. Uh, it seems like they were starting to revert just a little bit in, back into that, okay, let's not lose this instead of let's go out and win it. Yep. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Um, you know, you get that, you know, okay, we got a good lead. Well, let's just protect it. That is, you know, yeah, you can protect it, but also you know, stay strong on your offense. Don't just rely completely on your defense to hold on. And, you know, we, we started seeing that in the fourth quarter. Right. And um, what was that on that? There it is. Yeah. You get into the fourth quarter, uh, get the field goal. That makes it 20 to six. Yeah, that means somewhere in there I missed a field goal. I'm not sure. Maybe I started watching the 1994 uh, Olympic Games or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, that would have been the 96 Olympics, I guess. That may have been the whole problem. But uh, it's. It, it, yeah, it still seemed like that, that you know, Duke gets possession, it'd be a punt. And then they started trading punts. And you're like, well, okay, maybe they're going to kind of hang on to this. And then uh, and then there was a punt return by Duke that went back for a touchdown. Now it's 20-3 to three with about six minutes to go. And you're like, okay, well, that's a little closer, but they're still in charge. You know, that's. They're still in this game. It seems like they, they were starting to to try to win the game again as opposed to just trying not to lose it. And then they punt again. There's a big return by Duke. It was about a 40-yard return. Uh, and then Georgia Tech gets that big stop. They get the turnover on downs. Uh, you know, kind of what are you thinking at that point? Well, uh, with about 555 remaining, it's actually 20 to 13, not 20 to 3. Um, so, so it's a lot closer than you want it to be. You know, that's only we're back again where we had a touchdown with you know, just under six minutes remaining in the game, and you're like, okay, here we go. We're we're they're letting the foot off the gas a little bit, and now Duke's like, okay, well we can make a game out of this, and we still got time to kind of come back with it. And so like I said, you know, that was that 81 yard punt return for a touchdown, and then. You know, uh, ten seconds later, we lose one of our leading receivers. Nate McCollum goes out with an injury, and then we got a punt. They run it back for fifty yards, and they're on our forty-four. Um, yeah, and you know, so again, you know, we're, we're back and forth here again in, in the fourth quarter. Um, Try to try to hang on for the last few minutes, and, and the next few drives really kind of determine how the rest of that quarter was going to go. Yep, and then Duke gets that last drive, and it was kind of stalling out a little bit. And then you, a couple of them, I agree with a couple of them, uh, may, maybe not necessarily flags need to be thrown, but Georgia Tech gets a couple penalties. It puts Duke within range. They end up with the um, they end up with the touchdown to make it 20-20. to 20. 
I'm trying to read my writing. I have no idea what I wrote there besides the touchdown. But uh, either way, you get 20 to 20, time runs out, now you're in overtime. At one point you were up 17 to 3, now you're going into overtime. Where's the emotions at on that one? Now it's like, oh, now it's like, okay, we just blew, blew the lead in the fourth quarter, and now we're, now we're going to overtime. Tech hasn't been to overtime game in a couple of years, so we haven't played in any of these new overtime rules. Um, so now it's like, okay, the team, most of these kids on this team haven't seen an overtime game. How are we going to play? How, how are they going to perform? Now they're under this pressure. Is you know, we we were leading twenty to six at one point, and now it's twenty twenty, and we've got to get over that. Oh God, we just we just let them come back and tie. We've got to make right. sure we don't stop and just give up. So, I mean, at this point it's like okay. Now now we're still holding on. We're sitting on the edge of our seat. We're, we're holding on to the seat. And there's anything that happens over time. Yep, and and it, and it does. As Georgia Tech gets the ball first, so Georgia Tech gets the first possession in it. Uh, I, I know, you know, we're feeling pretty good about that too. Uh, it, it Sims did get hurt now, and, and that was that was a little interesting. Uh, Zach Gibson, I guess that's that's the guy that came in, I believe, and. Uh, the drive ends up with a Gavin Stewart field goal to go up 23-20. to 20, And it looked like, I think you sent me the message as well that said, it looks like Sims is okay. He could probably go back in if if need be. Yep. Uh, what they were reporting is like it was just a kind of a small, okay, maybe maybe a stinger or something wasn't too bad. It was just enough that, okay, we need to get on the sideline, check it out, give him a little bit of rest. And you no, know, he said they checked him out. He said it was fine. So they said, "Well, if we need to have him back, uh, we can definitely do that." So you know, if you know, Blue Devils kick a field goal to tie it up and then go back on offense, um, then you know, so be it. It'd be fine. And then, as as we have been uh, foreshadowing a little bit, Duke has always had really good kickers. Um, Georgia Tech was able to stop them from from scoring a, a first down. They actually they actually lost some yardage. This this ended up being a 52 yard field goal attempt, and I say attempt because it was no good. Georgia Tech gets the win. Yeah, I think um, offensive pass interference call against both um, Devils really hurt them, pushing back to 34 yard line. Um, the kicker Charlie Ham had never kicked anything more than fifty. Um so it I mean, it was kind of everything against them at that point. Um you know, a little bit more. I mean we would be seeing a different game, but like I said, it was just it was short. Um and game over and Jackets take twenty three and twenty wins and we move on to three and three and we have Reached the number of wins we have in the past three years each year, and we're only halfway through. Yep. And you're, I mean, you know, this this is probably, I mean, I know they want to say game by game, but you are also halfway to being bowl eligible, something that has not happened in, in a good bit of time. It's definitely been many, many years uh, since we've been to a bowl game. Um, so, I mean, it's good. Uh, good times. And Brent Key as a interim coach is now two and zero. Um, we are pretty high up um, on, on the, in the division now. Um, so yeah, I mean we're more toward uh, having I mean great great rest of the season. I mean it was a rough rough season to start with, but like I said, you know it's get three more wins. We're bowl eligible. They haven't played a bowl game since 2018. Um, so, I mean, a lot of a lot of new stuff coming in. Some some of these players, I mean, if we can make it to a bowl game, some of these players have just not been able to do that. Um, so it'll be 
it will be a good thing if we can get three wins out of the next next few we have here. Oh yeah, I mean, and there's there's you know since this is a different team, not only have we done this, but I've heard other people that had pretty much said, oh, this Georgia Tech team is probably going to win one, two, maybe three games if they're if they're lucky. They've seen how the team has played since Brent Key took over, and they said, well, let me let me reevaluate this schedule. There's actually a few more wins on there than than I previously gave them credit for, and that's what we did too. You start, you kind of look, and there's there's a good handful of wins. I'd say of those six games, probably without looking at their schedule right now, probably four are are winnable just right off the top, and the other two, I mean, there's a there's a little more than than a, a an outside chance you can win those. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we've got um, you know FSU, Miami, uh, both Virginia teams, um, of course UGA at the end. Um, so I mean, there's definitely if we kind of continue and play you know strong, you know, like we have these last two games, yeah, we definitely could. Um, like I said four, four would be great. I mean, again, I'll say like I said every every week. One more, and we have more than we had the last three years. So that, you know, baby steps, one more win, we're good. Yeah. And uh, no, one more win would be three in a row, and I don't know the last time we've won three in a row <laughs> or two in a row at this point. But yeah, I mean, yeah. What was that? Uh, what was the coach for Major League Lou? <laughs> I think you know he he made the famous speech at the end of, or towards the end of the first movie. He's like, "Hey, we won a game. We win another one tomorrow. That's two in a row. We win a third one. They call that a winning streak. It just, I mean, that's that's just how it goes. You can't yeah. you can start a winning streak, but you can't call it a streak till you win at least three. But two in a row, these are back to back wins. Uh, that's another thing that's been a rarity for this team. Um, I know a lot of good teams that that also do the same thing that, that usually can't put two together. So it's it's kind of on the up and up. And uh, luckily for for me at least, is that Brent Key has not gotten word that I owe him varsity. So I have not had to pay off that bet yet. Because <laughs> remember, what was it after the first win? I was like, hey, if if uh, if Coach Key gets this this victory here and makes it two in a row, I was like, tell you what, lunch of the varsity's on me, and and he did it. So if he wants to call me out on it, I, I stand behind it. I just I have received nothing from Coach Key. Have you? No, I, I have not either. So I mean, I, I mean, if I do, I'll make sure he takes it up, and we'll, we'll both go down there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll we'll definitely work that out. I mean, it's uh. Maybe sometime this weekend. It's a bye weekend, so I mean, we'll just—he could walk right down the street, and we'll we'll go meet him up there. All right. I mean, it's not, not a far walk. It's a couple steps off. Yeah. The side of the east. Exactly. But this was a good win by Georgia Tech. It's fun that we can joke around about things like that, even though I am serious about lunch. If he does want it. But uh, this team—it it is a different team, and I don't know if it was just they were just tired or, or not listening to Collins or maybe they like liked Key a lot more and they, they feel like they want to play for him more. I mean, I, I don't know what it was that, that turned the team around, but it, it seems like it seems like it's a completely different team than what started this year. Yeah, uh, definitely. I know they have some staff changes, but I mean, most of the kids – I say most, and we'll, we'll talk about some in just a minute. But um, and most of the kids are I mean, the same kids that were playing earlier in the year. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's a completely different team. It's just, I think now you've got Brent in here with a different mindset. And you're like, okay, we can we can get with this. This is we understand what you're doing. We, we can definitely get behind this. Um, and I hope it definitely hope it continues. Yeah, absolutely so. But like we said, another big win on the board. That's a conference win. That makes uh, a big world of difference. And uh, we're going to take a short break where you can hear about our friends from betonline.net. And we come back, we are going to each have another uh, athletic director candidate and another head coaching candidate that we're going to add to the list. And we're going to continue previewing these 
until we either run out of names, which is not possible because they will definitely hire somebody before we run out of names because we can just literally start pulling them from anywhere. Or until they – I mean, once they hire them, then, then we can talk more about who they hire. Yep. But we're going to take a break. Check out our friends at BetOnline.net, and we will be right back. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline where the game starts. And we're back here on Up with the White and Gold. He is GT John Watts. I am Jeremy the Impact York. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. They not only have the betting lines and the wagering uh, lines and things like that, they do the articles, they do the podcast, they do so much of the information to where it just makes you a more knowledgeable sports fan. You know more things to look for during games. Even if it's not currently legal to wager on games where you're at, go check out the information. You'll be the smartest person at the water cooler, in the elevator, or at the family reunion. That's, I mean, that's enough right there. You want to be the smartest person in your family reunion? Go to betonline.net. I'm sure they love these ads I do for them, by the way. <laughs> but um, they are fantastic. I, I checked them out before I even started with them, and, and they do some fantastic stuff. But we're not here to talk about betonline.net at the moment. We just did that. We are going to get more into our candidates for head coach and athletic director. And just to go over them real quickly, last week you uh, presented Mike Buddy from Army as your AD candidate, and I did Nathan Pine from Air Force. Had a little bit of a military thing going there. You said Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina was uh, the first head coaching candidate you brought up, and I brought up uh, a little-known guy named Brent Key who is the interim coach for Georgia Tech. So uh, I'll let you go first again. You're going to go AD or head coach? Um, I'll go AD. Okay. Who you got? Kind of, kind of keeping with some of the things we've talked about is, um, you know, people that are known, known in this area, um, kind of close to home, um, like I kind of said before the show, this might be a stretch, but um, looking at Graham Neff. Okay. Uh, Graham Neff uh, is from Atlanta. Uh, he has a bachelor's degree and an MBA from Georgia Tech. Um, so he's very familiar with you know, the school um, and what, what we're looking at here. Um, he's I said he's from Atlanta. I say Atlanta, but really it's um, – if if you know about Georgia, uh, he's from Lilburn, um, went to Parkview um, High School. Um, okay. Um, no. He's a civil engineer, and then he has a master's in business administration. Um, after he graduated, uh, he did uh, go to Middle Tennessee State. Um, he started in their athletic department. Uh, it's had some administrative roles in, in there, dealing with finance, facilities, external operations. Um, so he did uh, definitely some good things there. Um, what he's been doing since then, since 2013, uh, Neff went and joined the staff of Clemson University uh, under a former Ooh. athletic again. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced the name, uh, Radakovich. Um, he... Neff was the deputy athletic director since 2014. He $200 million in capital projects. Um, he was helping shape their athletic department, operational, financially, physically, those kind of things. He 
Um, wanted to develop areas for the students, like welfare, uh, fundraising. Um, I mean, he's done different different great things there. Um, now, unfortunately, what does make this a stretch? Um, if you do follow football, any we all know that in December of 2021, uh, Dan Radkovich left to become the athletic director of the University of Miami. Um, mm-hmm. And on December 23rd. 2021, Neff became the official athletic director at Clemson University. So he's only hmm. he hasn't been there a year, so it does kind of kind of play a you know, downside to it, and it'd be really kind of hard to pull someone since it hasn't even been there a year. Uh, but I just thought it'd be an interesting uh, selection with his ties to take. Yeah, but just in the time he's been there, uh, let's see, he okay, that's 2014. Okay. So we'll say since he took over, it's not like they've won a national title or anything, right? No, 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 no. I, I don't remember yeah. anything like that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, in the last calendar year, they have not won a national title. I mean, you know. Right. I mean, sure, he he, he would rather come to the school he has ties to, you know? Right. Yeah, so I'm like, I think that's a pretty, pretty good candidate, though. And, and, and Radikovic, I think, I think that's – which, for one, for people who, who don't know, uh, as part of – John's degree from Georgia Tech. He speaks like uh, 14 languages. So if he can't pronounce it, I don't know how I'm supposed to. <laughs> and uh, also, just got to throw that in there. If you don't know who Dan Radicovich is, then he was also a former athletic director at Georgia Tech. So, you know, yep. with following under him and knowing you know, under a Clemson and the guy who knows Tech. And learning from that, I think it was also helpful. Yeah. I, I, you know, you, you thought that was a little bit of a stretch, and, and maybe because of the uh, – he was just named Clemson AD about a year ago. But beyond that, I, I think he's he's not only more than qualified, he's got the ties to the university, which I think in this case are important. A lot of times I argue they're not. But I, I, I think that's that's not that big of a stretch. I, I think he's, he's as much a candidate as, as anybody we've named at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, I mean, what we're looking at, I mean, ties, ties to the schools kind of help. I mean, what we've done with Brent Key, you know, he's been there, and, like, he's clearly has ties to the school, and he's doing well with that. So that's kind of where a lot of my thing is ties to the school, ties to the area. Yep. And just like last week, um, I – I had a little more uh, of an inside view to your head coaching candidate. Um, my athletic director candidate is Doug Gillen, who is the current uh, director of athletics as of February 27th, 2015 for Appalachian State. I know a little bit about some stuff he's done. I do know all the programs are on the up and up. Uh, they are perennial favorites every year to win not only the Sunbelt Sun East, but to win the Sun Belt in general, they are very regularly football-wise uh, considered a top 25 team. Them and Coastal Carolina kind of jumped in and out of the top 25 last year. Um, you know, he's been there for, uh, what, going on seven years now or so? Something like that. But before that, before he's done all the stuff, that he, I mean, he, he joined Appalachian State and helped get them from FCS to the FBS that they're at now in the Sun Belt, which is not an easy transition. And he was able to get all that straightened out, and they were a powerhouse coming in the door. Before he he arrived up in Boone, he was at the University of Missouri. That was a little bit about the SEC, a little bit about the, you know, SEC, ACC country that lives down here. Uh, He helped get the Tigers into the SEC because – up and uh, he was there from 2012 to 2015. Uh, like I said, he he got them into the SEC. He had a lot to do with it, a lot with the transition of of moving over into that because, you know, it's it's not easy. They don't just take anybody. They they might now. They are taking Texas and Oklahoma. You know, it seems like a little desperation, but you know, in in getting Missouri in to the SEC, that that was huge. That that does so many big things. And here, if he moves to Tech. It's it's not getting them out of the ACC or stuff like that, but I feel like it's getting them into bigger conversations because they're doing bigger things. I know because I know people that cover the sports 
the tennis team, the volleyball team, the golf team, all those kind of the basketball team at Tech are on the up and up. They are doing well. They're regularly considered top teams throughout the nation. And I feel like somebody with the, the financial know-how that he has, he's very good at, at uh, maximizing the budget without overspending, things like that. Um, let's see. He's actually really good at branding and the, the marketing aspects of things, too. So it's not just the financial, but he, he's really good at, at figuring out how to get – the right image broadcast out there. So I, I kind of like him as a, as a candidate and uh, he, he's got a pretty good pedigree. He actually doesn't have uh, a tie to Georgia tech that I know of, but you know, you could, you could probably pair him with, with somebody and I feel like it would work out pretty well. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Um, what you're talking about in mean, app state when they've had, I mean, from a football perspective, you know, over the last several years, um, sorry. Sorry to my co-host here, uh, leaving Michigan, um, and being some of those other schools. So, you know, the ability to look at those kind of scenarios and say, "Was well, it's not just a fluke?" You know, how can we you know, build on this and that marketing, like I said, the financial and all those kind of things to um, make that brand, you know, App State. He's definitely doing a good job there. Um, yeah, and um, since he, I mean, he oversees all the sports, but football is what I can speak the most on. Um, in in you know, I, I for people who don't know on this show, I've been a part of uh, uh, covering Georgia State since uh, late 2015. Every interaction I've ever had w- uh, with Appalachian State, if they visited here, or uh, I actually took a trip up to Boone and saw an away game up there, or saw a home game for them, an away game for Georgia State. And uh, the the staff could not have been better. It's just top notch, uh, all the way down to to the food. All I mean, just everything there. It was it was so much fun. I encourage a lot of people to go up there and check it out because that campus sits right on the side of a mountain. Uh, definitely go before it snows, or you may stay a lot longer than you want to. But beyond that, uh, if he oversee him overseeing the the football program, I, I can only speak highly of of just how great their their staff really is. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, um, I've never never been to the campus, but I definitely have seen the the pictures, so I don't concur with you on on that. So, anytime you can take a visit to the mountains, uh, it's pretty good. Um, I'm I'm prone to, I might go up there when it snows, but, you know, if I had the time, (laughs) that's also pretty good. Yeah, I, I had to be back. I couldn't stay all weekend, so that's that's why I, I luckily the game was in late October, I believe, and uh, and I, I luckily missed the snow by about a week or so, I believe. Well, I mean, I know the stories of my other half getting stuck in the mountains of the snow during spring break. Um, so I mean, she definitely knows about those things like that getting stuck up there when it snows. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> especially, so, yeah. especially if you're not, if you're stuck up there with maybe not the people you want to be. Yeah, that might be a little worse. <laughs> but if you're stuck up with people you don't want to, maybe you shouldn't have been there in the first place with people you don't want to. Exactly. There's, there's life lesson and number one of the show. There you go. All right. But yeah. All right. So. Okay. Yeah, I was about to say we're to your. Um, your head coaching candidate, and uh, a lot of people are going to be familiar with who that is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you should. Um, over the last uh, few years, and people should know the name. And like I said, I like to stick to either the school or the area. Um, so I'm looking at current University of Georgia offensive coordinator, Todd Monkey. Um we all know what the last few years uh, looked like. And, uh, he had in, brought in Stinson, Stetson Bennett, excuse me, try to mix those words together. Um, and there is that, you know, that whole national championship thing. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I think for and what he's done, been able to do uh, there um, and you know, what he's done as an offensive coordinator, um, and, so the UDA, but you know, he's done it elsewhere as well. He's um, 
done it in smaller schools. I mean, he was a grad assistant at Grand Valley State. Um, he was grand grad assistant at Notre Dame. Um, he coached at Eastern Michigan. Um, he did wide receivers, defensive backs, uh, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. Um, he went to Louisiana Tech uh, for a little bit. And then uh, he would coach at Oklahoma State. So, you know, he's seen smaller schools, he's seen the bigger schools. Um, you know, he's been in Oklahoma State under uh, Les Miles. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Y'all know what Les Miles did, went to LSU. Um, so, Monson went with him. Um, so, no good couple of years there. And then we see Monson move on to the NFL, uh, where he was a wide receivers coach for Jacksonville Jaguars um, for a few years. And then he moved back to. Yeah, this was, this was a disclaimer there that this is 07 to 2010 when the, Jags, the Jacksonville Jaguars were actually pretty decent. So, it wasn't like. All the other years for Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. Yeah. They got like 94. They've got like right there in the 2000s. And then like this year, that's, that's pretty much, I think it. So, and then, you know, we moved back to Oklahoma State where he's offensive coordinator again for 2011, 2012. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about you know, Brandon Whedon, Justin Blackman, um, mm-hmm. you know, just short of that national championship game. So, so he was doing good things there, um, and then he would move on and be a head coach at Southern Miss. Um, and we're talking Southern Miss was a school that was 0 and 12. He, he was able to build on that for you know, you know coming into a school I mean with a record like that you know there's some building years so you know, they were able to get a win last year you know, 111. And then a few more wins, three and nine, and then went nine and five. So wow. you know, went from a couple of years taking a team from zero and twelve to nine and five. I mean, it's a really, really good, good thing there. And you know, come two thousand sixteen, you know, thinking we're still going to build on it, um, but he did decide he would take the offensive coordinator position with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, so we're back in the NFL uh, yep. for a couple of years. Um, and then moved on as OC with Cleveland Browns. And then down to Athens, where he has been uh, the last several so, years. So after, yeah, so after Tampa, he went back to college with, with Cleveland and then and then to Georgia, <laughs> more of a professional team. Right. Uh, you know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's been a long time since Cleveland's really, really done anything. Yeah. So, I mean, but, I mean, he he has a hell of a pedigree. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's you know, he's proven himself both college, NFL um, level. He's been, a, you know, you can adapt to any kind of personnel, no matter where he's going. Like I said, he did a small college, done big colleges, done the NFL. He's done small colleges in the NFL, like I said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think it definitely got um, great attributes there. Um, I think some people may detract away from him moving around, but I think the experience of doing those different things make him a good candidate to uh, understand um, those different kind of areas. Um, and, again, yeah. being a teacher, um, I think, will help. Um is recruiting is a big thing here. Um, and mm-hmm. we're down the road from, you know, that school um, <laughs> where he's currently at. So it's right. definitely, and you, you know as well, outside of Georgia State, that it's hard to recruit in state players when you've got that up there. Um, yeah. So definitely, I think, um, you know, having that experience at, uh, UGA is also kind of going to help it. Um, but, you know, and, you know, it definitely, I mean, it just depends on, you know, if it's something he wants to make that kind of move. Um, he's reportedly the highest paid offensive coordinator in college football. Um, so. Do you, do you happen to know that salary? Because I, I have a number in front of me that sounds right. Um. 
see. I think I have it written somewhere in my notes here, but you um, might have get to a little more. Because um, if if this if this number's correct, I, I would be willing to bet that he he has probably got twice as much annual salary as as the next coordinator. Um, the last thing I read is he signed a three year deal in twenty twenty that gives him around two million. Yeah, that's the number I have. If he's getting two million a year to be a college offensive coordinator, then that's some pretty good money. And you know, that's uh, that, that came with a one point three. Raise, so I mean, definitely UGA. I mean, knows what they want to do, and with yeah. the way they're playing, that um, that we might have that would be a problem. I think for us, is if UGA wants to put in a contract that they have the money for that, um, we may not have to have the money in the sports world for that. Um, and you know, UGA kind of hasn't been running for a certain. Uh, NFL player son. Um, we can kind of <laughs> go yeah. into that. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's you know, and, and again that national title, um, first national title for UGA in 41 years. Um, so it helps. Yeah, you know those things that would help them. So I think that that would probably be some of the tra- the tracking areas. But um, again, for what he brings, uh, knowing the area. I don't think it would definitely help us. Well, and see that the the national title could actually be a positive because he has one now. So he has one as a coordinator. Uh, I'm sure at some point he would like to be a head coach again. I mean, he was the Conference USA in 2015, I think, Conference USA Coach of the Year. So maybe he's got that itch to be a, a head coach again and wants to do it under his own. Yeah, I think um, it would be good because probably had that little bit of a little bit of taste of the head coaching job, and like I, mean, I think I could definitely do this, and I think it would be probably good. Um, so well, yeah, like you said, I mean, if it, uh, Southern Miss was zero and twelve when he got there, they go one and eleven, then they go what three and nine, and then or and then like uh, would you say six and five or something like that, or nine and three or. I forgot what you said now. They went one and eleven, like three and nine, and then nine and five. Yeah, that's it. There you go. And that's, uh, I mean, that's that's an incredible turnaround. I mean, that basically got him the Tampa Bay gig. Yep. So, I mean, he he would definitely be a, a big candidate. I mean, that's. I think you, you kind of have to, to move him and Jamie to the to the front of the pack if, as far as the popular vote. Obviously, we're not the ones making those decisions, and neither is the crowd, but it's kind of hard not to. Yeah. So I wonder if you have any idea what direction I'm going with this, with my head coaching candidate. Usually I have no idea where your head's at in anything, so let alone this. <laughs> <laughs> Which says a lot, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, he would know if if there was a body buried. There's a good chance he had the other shovel. Yeah, I'll definitely don't But some some of these little decisions, uh, you're different routes you like to take, and I'm just like, all right, I would just roll with it. Let's see what let's see where this goes. This will be an adventure. <laughs> all right, here we go. This will close out the show. My head coaching candidate for Georgia Tech. I'm going to go with William James O'Brien, otherwise known as Bill O'Brien. Good know. We know him. We know him as the uh, here recently as the uh, head coach and GM of the Houston Texans, but before that, stops at Brown University, Georgia Tech, as he was a graduate assistant who later becomes uh, a running back coach and the OC and quarterback coach, and this is the early 2000s. Uh, you would know a lot about that. That was about the time, uh, I guess he left right before you got there and, yeah. and looking at the the numbers there. But uh, I guess he knew you were coming because then he went to Maryland, Duke, then the Patriots where he was under Belichick as a, uh offensive assistant, a wide receiver coach, a quarterback coach. That means he worked with Tom Brady, guys. That means he, he, he worked with – Tom Brady, arguably the best ever. 
I uh, got a little OC work there. Then he went to Penn State. Was only there for a couple years, but most people know that's where he really got on the map as a really, really good coach. He went 15 and nine at Penn State as as a college head coach. We won't talk about his NFL so much. I think he did an okay job. He shouldn't have been the GM, but that's that's a whole different thing. That's that's why he's great at college because he's really good at recruiting. He's really good at developing the offense. We'll have to see what kind of coordinator he would bring in defensively. But he's really—he's the current offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at Alabama. He continues to work with top-tier talent. Uh, he's won the Paul Bear Bryant Award, the Big Ten Coach of the Year, the George Munger Award, the AT&T ESPN Coach of the Year. Now, granted, all four of those awards were in 2012, but that was his Penn State tenure. He was just that good that instead of, you know, instead of being like Brian Kelly and staying at Notre Dame uh, for a handful of years instead of taking other opportunities, he got a chance to be the Houston Texans coach and jumped at it and got to coach people like Deshaun Watson, who, you know, his discretion's off field or, or his discretion's, but, you know, he's gotten to work with some of the biggest and best people out there. So it just seems to me that he is he is somebody to be considered. He's been a head coach before, has the ties to the university. He does work well with others, and he's better at the coaching gig than he is to running the front office. In college, you don't get to run both. You only get to do one. So I I just feel like he could be a a really good candidate to look at, just if for nothing else, that he's really good at developing offensive players. And I think something that gets lost in a coaching change is developing your stars. And Sims could be a star. You've seen him develop a little under Brent Key. We'll have to see by the end of the year where he's at. But you don't want somebody like Sims to kind of get left kind of in the dust or or get left in a corner somewhere over a new coaching change. So I feel like Bill O'Brien could come in and make him an even better quarterback and and help the offense just explode. So that's – I'm going to go, like I said, William, James, O'Brien, otherwise known as Bill O'Brien, or I I may affectionately call him Bob. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, I definitely agree on there. Um, I'm looking back and trying to remember some things. Um, I do have to say that I did have the experience of watching um, Bill O'Brien on the sideline. Uh, his last um, – 2002 was his last year with Georgia Tech. So, um, yep, you know, I am the first fall on campus. Yep. So, you know, my first experience watching college football live – you know, we have Chan Gailey and Bill O'Brien on, on sidelines coaching. Um, you know, we had that, that year, you know, we had uh, you know, Tony Hollings and you know, Kerry Watkins, and two two mm-hmm. guys that were great players that, you know, they were able to see. Um, I know even before, you know, got there, I mean, the guy I commonly named my fantasy football team after George Gossie. Um, so, <laughs> I definitely, I mean, He's done um, as a coach. I'm mean, only there, you know. And then, uh, like I said, um, he was uh, supposed to go to Notre Dame, but things happened with George O'Leary, so that didn't happen. So uh, I think it kind of um, ended up why he goes to Maryland um, to be the running back coach after leaving Tech. But you know, that's a, another story. Uh, right another day, yeah. but yeah, I definitely agree that I mean, his what he's been able to do, you know, college-wise. Um, you, you reference Tom Brady, uh, so I mean, double those years. I mean, if you if you don't know who Tom Brady is by now, you live on a rock. Um, he is the soon-to-be ex-husband of Giselle <laughs> Bunchen. For those of you who know Giselle Bunchen, um, right. Yeah, that, that's a whole other discussion. That that is a different podcast. Yeah, well, this is not that podcast. Um, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, this is not. Yeah, there's plenty of podcasts we could be doing off the off the show. I think we just spun off like two or three in this one show. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Which I, I feel that. like I could be wrong, but I feel like in in his tenure with with the Houston Texans back in 2014-15. Is that when maybe Schaub was still around? Did did he start with him or was he gone by then? Can't remember now. 
But he's he's worked with some. I mean, not just Tom Brady, not just Deshaun Watson. He's he's worked. I mean, right now he's working with with Bryce Young, who could easily be the Heisman winner. What he won last year, didn't he? And so I mean, he could easily be a Heisman winner. Uh, he's working under Saban. Uh, something something a lot of people don't know is that Saban actually comes from the Belichick tree. So there's there's a lot of connection there, and and you're working under two of the best. You could say Bill, Bill, uh, not Bill O'Brien. We'll get to him. Bill Belichick is one of the best NFL coaches of all time. You could say that Nick Saban is one of the best college coaches of all time. And here he is. He's the right hand man to both. Yep. Um, like I said, he they're they're under the Texans. So then Texans had some issues in their career, but you know, without that, he doesn't. Win on Nick Saban's you know, staff after uh, Sarkeesian left. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I think. I mean, I think we've always talked, you know, on, on a personal level that you know things that happen guide you on your path. Um, yep. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I think those ten years definitely helped. Um, I mean, we look at. You know, all these coaches that have been under Saban and you know, the careers they're having. So, I mean, that would yep. definitely be good. You know, we would gladly probably accept someone who's been able to learn under Saban. But to recap, this week you suggested Graham Neff from Clemson as an athletic director candidate. I suggested App State's Doug Gillen. Head coaching candidates, you went Todd Munkin, the current offensive coordinator and quarterback coach with the UGA Bulldogs, and I went for their bitter rival, the OC from Alabama, Bill O'Brien. We have uh, a pretty, pretty heck of list, right? This is a heck of a list that we're looking at already, and uh, I hear maybe by the end of this month or maybe into November, they're already going to try to have the AD in place. Are you hearing anything on that? Yeah, that's the last thing I heard that um, they were definitely looking to hopefully get it set by November 1st. Um, so, I mean, that gives us – we play, what, two more weeks of playing uh, since we don't play this week. Um, so, that's the last I heard, and I know they were really, really wanting to get that set um, before we really look into head coach. Um, I've heard, you know, head coach could be – you know, in the off season before we even really get a head coach anyway. So, um, and, you know, that would, if that is the case, you know, that would definitely give time for your pick, Brett Key, to really show what he can do um, to be a candidate. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I think November 1st is what I've heard. I haven't really heard anything to the contrary um, or, you know, anything that said, yeah, this is the date. Um, but that's kind of the last date I heard that they're looking for. I agree. Well, I would normally tell – well, I guess I'll get into it real quick. You are on the bye week, which is, is nice. Uh, you went on a two-game streak. I, it, I I think it falls at the right place because instead of kind of rushing things to get everything ready, as you've done you know, with Brent Key taking over just a couple weeks ago and trying to get everything in place, he now gets a little bit of time to, to put some other things into place. But there is ways to lose the bye week. It usually happens to other teams. I don't see that Georgia Tech is going to particularly be that, but you actually have a note here in a minute that is, that is going to kind of be to the contrary of that. Here is how you lose the bye week. If your players find ways to um, end up in the back of police cars, if they get injured or, uh, you know, academically ineligible, things like that, there are ways to lose the bye week, and that is to usually lose the eligibility of players for uh, whether it's short-term or long-term. But I feel pretty good about this team, except for the player you are about to mention. Yeah, um, so we are continuing to follow-up on a story. Um, he did play earlier in the year under um, under Jeff Collins. Um, Kalani Norris um, kind of uh, appeared not to play after Jeff Collins left. Um, our story kind of uh, he just wasn't dressed or 
you know, they just didn't make the cut, or we don't really know what happened those first two games, but we you know we have learned. Um, we don't know why yet. Was he doing? Was he doing it like in memorial to to the fallen coach? Or? <laughs> I mean, it's what it kind of seems like. Uh, it's like, you know, you change coaches, I'm not going to play with you. Um, I mean, yeah. we've had that problem in the past. You know, sure, but more of a those kind of things in the past were more of a I, I can't play in this new system. I'm out of here. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, honestly, it could be. Maybe he just doesn't like the new coach. Or, you know, sometimes players leave because they're just not getting the playing time, which right. they were seeing here. Um, but, yeah, just kind of get to it. Uh, wide receiver, Kalani Norris, who's no longer with the team. Uh, they announced it, uh, earlier, uh, it earlier this week. Um, or maybe they really want to announce it more, but it just doesn't show up anymore. I think there's uh, – um, we don't know if he's party ways, or we don't know if, um, if he was kicked off the team. Uh, it hasn't really been a whole lot of notice, but you know, usually if they're uh, getting kicked off, we usually know it's you know conduct detrimental to the team or something along those lines. Um, but this one is just he's gone. Um, and what I've read, I mean, he's eligible to enter the transfer portal, um, so he could be doing that. Um, but as of right now, uh, all we know is that uh, he's no longer with a team. So, I mean, that's, you know, uh, he's in his fourth, right. I mean, he's in his fourth year. Um, so he does have some, some eligibility still left. Uh, fourth year, uh, does have the, the COVID option that was given through the whole pandemic. Um, so, he's, I mean, he does have uh, some eligibility left if someone wants to pick him up. Um, but, you know, for us, we're, we're moving on with that. Right. And and that's, you know, I, I told you I was going to float some theories because this happened at Georgia State a handful of times. Um, just sometimes different philosophies. Sometimes uh, they play different players and those, those you know, those will blossom. You know, it, most of the time it's quarterbacks that do this. But, yeah, that's that's very much what I think it is, is that Brent Key come in and decided to – and decided to, uh, you know, change things into his system or the things he wanted to do, and maybe this player didn't feel like he fit in it, or maybe he didn't fit in it, or he was getting beat out in practice because of things. And he just, you know, the way college is now is is he probably just said, you know what, I think it's best if um, if I he's probably going to get in the transfer portal, or maybe he's just he just doesn't want to play football anymore. There's always that too, but my guess is that he wants to go somewhere where his skills will fit in a lot better. And more than likely we're going to see him in the transfer portal probably sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I'll kind of iron out something I said before. Um, it was um, put out earlier today. Um, kind of uh, really kind of put out there by, I mean, if you don't follow, um, of course, follow us, like we said, but if you want to follow some other people around, uh, Georgia Tech News. Um, Kelly Quinlan on Twitter, uh, she's usually pretty good uh, putting out news. Um, and she's the one that kind of broke the story earlier today. Um, that he's no longer with the team. Uh, he's been removed from the official roster. Uh, he didn't travel to Pitt, and it was not drafted last week. Um, so after only playing four games this year, he still has two years of eligibility. Um, if right. He's, uh, yeah, which is which is like we're saying, that's probably what it is. And and they know how many games they can play or how many snaps or or whatever the actual count is. And so he probably said, Well, you know what? What a perfect time to just say, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna move somewhere else. Or I mean there's there's always too that you, you get in a situation to move on like this. It's not just playing time or something like that too. I do know people that have hit the transfer portal because um their career options changed and they they wanted to go to a, a different school that was maybe more known for what they were wanting to get into so you know maybe he doesn't want to be an engineer anymore and he wants to be a, a brain surgeon and i don't know why he didn't say it for that either but i mean maybe he decided to you know he's going to go to another school that's that's more known for brain surgery i mean you know it could easily be something like that that or you know a family thing where he wants to be closer to home Whatever his motivation is, it, it just feels like he knew he didn't fit as much now, and so he's going to go somewhere where he fits in better. And we wish him yep. the best. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we we've seen things like that. I mean, uh, when looking at Jameer Gibbs, you know, he was you know, top player here, um, and you know he just wanted you know have maybe a different experience and go to Alabama. Yeah, definitely. Now he's the top player there. Right, and he's still continuing that and that thing. And then you know we've seen, um, you know when we switched from Paul Johnson's um, form of offense to the regular offense, um, our quarterback back then, which we call Big Bad Lee, um, <laughs> which is what he grew up in that spread offense, and you know he entered the transfer portal and became the quarterback for James Madison, uh, who at the mm-hmm. time was not FBS. Um, so, you know, allowed him to you know, move down uh, a level and immediately play. And, you know, had a good, yeah. good fair. Um, people now know who James Madison is. But um, then it wasn't really too much of a widely known uh, school. But, you know, they, they made their way up and up. And again, that's, that's more of a, a team you might discuss on one of your other broadcasts. Right. But, yeah, I think um, – like I said, we're looking the best, uh, and whatever, whatever you decide to do. Absolutely. But that's all the stuff we got for this week. So for GT John Watts, I am Jeremy the Impact York. This has been Up with the White and Gold. We'll see you guys next week. Go Jackets.